Hi. Welcome to Conversations for the Animals. I am Lisa Tynan with Houston Pet Set, and I am really excited to be joined today by a new friend, Miss Angelique Strickler. Is that right? Strickler? Yes, Strickler. And uh, you are the founder of Waiting Under the Willow Foundation, mm-hmm. and I am very much looking forward to hearing not only about your organization, which I think is wonderful, but also about how you got involved and how you started it. We were talking a little bit before we started uh, recording about how so many people sort of sit and see the landscape of animal welfare and animal rescue and just become so overwhelmed by the problem, by the conditions, especially here in Houston, and say, somebody do something or, or what can I do? And fortunately for all of us, there are people out there like you who say, well, I'm going to do something. And you just, you know, buckle up and and start going. So I want to talk a little bit about how you got started in animal rescue. (laughs) So that starts back as a child. Okay. Um, I've always picked up any stray. Couldn't leave a dog, couldn't leave a cat. Always picked them up. So um, mother does not, my mom never liked animals, which is really funny. She doesn't like the dog hair and the cat hair sure. and, you know, thinks all dogs want to bite her. So, um, it, it started like that, just always finding home for dogs in the neighborhood. And then as I got older, I was posting on next door a lot. And so a lot of the neighbors, well, they get, they get used to seeing you. You're always pulling, you know, picking up a dog off right. the street. I can't, I don't have a place for this dog. Can you help this dog? You're the neighborhood lady that everybody Yeah, goes that's to. how it started. But then it after, I guess, back in 2018, people started, or 2017, people started donating. They're like, well, I'll pay for the dog's vetting oh. if, you'll, if, if you can take it to the vet. And so it kind of started like that. I would help with that. And then before you know it, you know, it was 500 coming in a day, 1,000 coming in a day. And wow. it's like, okay. I'm going to have to do more dogs in order to keep up because I don't need that much. Right, you know? So right. we'd pick up more dogs. And then people started offering, I'll take care of this dog. If, if, if you'll vet it for me, I'll foster it if you can find it a home. And so um, I started reaching out a little bit on Facebook um, where I saw a dog posted that was going to be euthanized. Mm-hmm. It was um, a puppy. And I thought, oh, that's crazy. So I said, well, I'll foster it. I'll, I'll take it, you know. And so a rescue saw me say that. And so they said, well, if you'll foster it, then I'll pay for the vetting. And okay. so then, of course, someone sees you say you'll foster. And, you know, all of a sudden you got 2,000 friends on Facebook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how that started. And then yeah. I just started on my own and it, it, just, it just grew. I mean, so it, just it was took really off. organic. Yep. Which is which I feel like is the experience of a lot of people in animal welfare, right? Very few people wake up, you know, as a child and say, I am going to start my own. I'm, actually, that's not true. I'm sure a lot of people say I'm going to start my own animal rescue. But you actually did it. Um, and I, I want to talk also kind of about the actual step by step because you are a 501c3. Yep. You are a what we would consider a legitimate nonprofit, non-profit. animal rescue. Mm-hmm. And how many dogs do you have in your care? Uh, we very we can never keep count. I literally have to go in there and count folders, but it varies between 50 and 75 right now. And, and that is foster and you have a a facility. And our facility, our facility, we try to keep it generally around 11, 10, well, 10 dogs is what we prefer. And it's just because it's not that we don't have more room for another five dogs, but then 
it's less amount of time that they get out of their kennels right. because we're rotating between two yards and whatever volunteers are there to walk dogs. I love that that <clears throat> goes into your thought where it's not oh, just yeah. about the quantity. There's mm-hmm. also quality being factored in there. Yeah. I, I feel like so many people think to themselves, you know, if I would just take them all. I would just take them all. But then you end up you, you become the hoarder. <laughs> we get that. Yeah. Well, we get that all the time. It's very frustrating. I get mm-hmm. anywhere from 10 to 30 calls just on my cell phone a Ooh. day because I'm the smart person who put my phone out on Google. Oops. <laughs> That'll Oops. never end. <laughs> yeah. And everybody, apparently no rescues do that. You can't, you, you can't, can't call them. Anybody. It's yep. email only, but I've never liked that. So mm-hmm. I won't do it. I don't know what I'm going to do right now. I can't answer my phone enough, but um, I, I won't, I won't take it off. And it's my personal cell. It's not a. Well, that means that you are reachable and you are the person. And now you yeah. are the founder. Mm-hmm. Do you have a team? Is it all volunteer based? Do you yeah. have staff? <clears throat> no, I've got um, two other board members. Jennifer does our IT behind the scene type thing. She doesn't like to deal with the the crazy. <laughs> the public <I> interface. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the crazy people that find dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, she does the behind the scenes okay. IT business stuff. And then Tammy Faith and I work really closely I mean, we probably talk all day, every day, texts, mm-hmm. phone calls. And then at our facility, we're in and out all day at our facility. So it really, it's seven days a week. Oh, yeah. Wake up with it, go to bed with it. Now, you this this was not your first career, or this was sort of just something you, you <clears throat> fell into by choice. But how do you make that work since this isn't your full-time thing? It is. It is? It is now. And unfortunately, okay. I don't get paid for it. So right. I had to take a job. I had to quit the job I was working at and take a job that was part-time that would work with my schedule. So um, I ended up with, I had a friend that was working, he was a manager at Starbucks and he's like, just come here. We can work whatever you want. We're doing some brand placement. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was spending 300 a month on Starbucks. So Hmm. that's like a car note right there. So I thought, well, free coffee, get paid a little and I can do what I want. (laughs) So perfect. Right. So that's what I did. So I switched to Starbucks and um, like now I have someone covering me so I could leave and come up here. That's so fantastic. And then I'll go back work two hours and then I hit our facility. And so then I'm up there. So, so what was the the process like? when you decided, you know, you started it organically, but then you decided, you know what, I'm going to make this an actual 501c3. What is, because I've worked in nonprofit for my entire career, but I've never started one. And it seems <sighs> like it's complicated. <clears throat> so one of the followers on Nextdoor, Eva, um, her and her husband, Mike, who I, I love, they're just, <sighs> couldn't do it without them. <laughs> there are those people, right, who are, they, who hold us up. Yeah. Yeah. So she said, I'll pay for your 501 if you start it. Wow. So that's kind of that's kind of where that started. Okay. And and if anyone who who is listening or watching is one of those people who is a a person of action and wants to follow in your footsteps, for example, what what do you have to do? What's like the first step even? Well, when I thought about it, because people would ask me, they donate on next door and they're like, I'd like to donate more. But I'd like to be able to write it off. Sure. Can you become a 501? And I'm like, you know, so I reached out to another rescue. I won't say who. Sure. <laughs> and they're like, don't do it. Really? Don't do it. It's a lot of work. It'll suck up your life. My marriage almost, you know, got ruined. Wow. Um, and then I heard that from another 501. And I thought, wow. Oh, my. And I thought, well, you're just not managing it right. Right. <laughs> I could do this better, obviously. Yeah. Well, obviously not <clears throat> because I went through the same relationship issues oh, that were man. like, you know, that's all you do. When you said you were going to do it, you said that, you know, you'd balance it better. It's like. Yeah. 
But then you've got people who are sending you pictures of a dog, you know, that's paralyzed from the waist down that was hit by a car. And they're like, I've called everybody. No one will help. And it's like the dog's still there. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I'll come get it. Yeah. (laughs) And then there you go again, Mm because that's another two-day job trying to find a foster for it, trying to order what you need for the dog, whether it's a wheelchair, getting it into a vet you know, following mm-hmm. up, making sure it has what it needs. So then it sucks up your time again. Right. So it's every day. Right. It's every day. So. And and in I don't know if you've – I've never done any research about how to start it someplace else, but I'm assuming with Houston you have to go and file paperwork. Do you have to, like, prove that you've done something, <clears throat> that you have a certain amount of money coming in? I mean, oh, is, yeah. Is yeah, this- so I have an accountant. She's great. She does it as a tax write-off. Oh, so I don't pay for that. Um, then I have, um, you file, you first have to become, um, an organization with the state. With the state. Okay. So you come, we do that first, get, get that done. And then you have to file with the, with the federal government. So if you want to become tax exempt. Okay. So it's all a process. We used a company so that we had a lawyer that drew up all the papers, wrote it exactly the way it needed to be written. And it's about 1200 for that. Okay. And then there's other fees here and there, but that's the big bulk of it. And then your your donors have sort of come to you again organically just by seeing that you're actually out there oh, yeah. doing the work. I One of my favorite things, you know, being in animal welfare for as long as we've been in it, people always say to you, you know, if I won the lottery, I would just buy a big property yeah, and start my own rescue. <laughs> but you don't have to win the lottery to do this. No, you don't. You really you just don't. have to be out there enough. And it takes a while to build it. We talked, Tammy and I talked about it for, oh God, for a couple of years where we looked at property and then we realized, oh my God, it's going to be like at least 1700 a month between yeah. rent and bills. And so <clears throat> we we're like, no, it made us too nervous to to lock in for two years right. and then not have the funds. So we backed out and decided not to do it. And then a year later, Tammy was out chasing a dog. And she goes, I got to show you this place. She goes, it's perfect. It'll be perfect. <laughs> I was like, okay. So one day we went out there and she showed it to me. And it wasn't, it was vacant. It didn't show no information who owned it. We couldn't find it on the internet. And um, there was a sticker on the window that the city puts on there, you know, when, when anytime you're going to, you have to have permits to build. Sure. So there was some construction. If you looked in the window, you could see all these boards and sheetrock and everything. And Timmy goes, but I can't find anyone that owns this. So I went and I looked on the sticker and I had a construction company. I said, well, I'll call the construction company and find out who they're working for. And so that was the owner of the property. He goes, how'd you find me? And I said, well, your sticker's on the window. (laughs) He goes, I didn't want anybody to know I had this Oh, because then people start Right. Calling you all the time and I wasn't ready to do anything with it. Anyway, so now he fosters for us too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is my favorite story. That yeah. Is so so funny. he's got a mom and some puppies that we pulled out of a storm drain um in Sunnyside. I love that that you sort of have just l- not lucked into all of this, but everything has just sort of arranged itself neatly for you to happen upon. It has. To be really this. Because we were nervous about the space. It was, you know, we're starting with a thousand square feet, you know. We're looking at sixteen fifty, seventeen hundred a month with bills and water sure. and electricity, all that. Sure. And then um so now we we're gonna expand into the next unit in January. Oh. 
Amazing. So now it's like, okay, now that's going to double. So now right. we're worried again. You There's know, we're that. worried about the first space. And then it's right. like, oh, that was easy. You right. know? And so now we're going into the next and now we're worried again. So now, and, and <clears throat> you said that you just started this organization two, three years ago, mm-hmm. right? So tell me, actually, now I'm backing up again. Where did the name come from, Waiting Under the Willow <laughs> Foundation? So <clears throat> another friend of mine with another rescue sure. reached out. She was feeding some dogs um, over, see, it's like Orem, West Orem, South Post Oak area, okay. another bad area, dogs everywhere. And um, she had posted on Nextdoor or Facebook, can someone go out there and feed the dogs? I'm going to be in third ward feeding other dogs. I won't be able to make it out there this weekend. I said, sure, I'll go. I'll go. So I loaded up my kids and we went out there and they were, it was kind of funny because they, you know, at this point they're like, oh God, mom, do we have to go again? <laughs> again? Like, we're doing it right. I'm like, come on, it won't take long. We'll just go feed the dogs. And I got out there and there's three dogs. It's uh, Clyde, Chloe, and Jules. We called them the three musketeers because they were the ones that made us decide. Um, when I got out there that day, Clyde was sitting under a willow tree. Oh. And so that's where the name is beautiful. So you have kids. Are they involved in this? Do they rather than just tagging <clears throat> along? Are they into it, too? Is They're this like a family thing? They're probably sick of dogs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got six at the house. Oh, wow. And we have to do rotations because one would kill the other one. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> the but they rotate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not fun at all. It's not fun. And we thought, oh, well, we'll do this for a little while. We'll find a place for Ollie and then. We won't have to do rotations right. anymore. We've been doing it for two years. Wow. I don't think we're ever going to find a place for Ollie. Yeah. He's just got too many triggers. Sure. He's got too many triggers. So, but the kids, yes, they. Um, it started where I would um, get Ryan to go up and help with the dogs, and he was so good at it because it's it's hard. People don't understand. People say, "Well, just get volunteers to come." Well, okay, you got dogs that are crate reactive. Yeah, you got dog, you know, barrier reactive dogs. You got dogs that don't like certain people. Some right. don't like men. Some don't like women. Some don't like kids. Some yeah. don't like other dogs. So it it gets to be pretty dangerous. You got yeah. dog fights. You don't want people getting bit. So there's really it's not that easy. Right. It's not that easy at all. So, um, but he was good. He came in. Um, the dogs did fine with him. Oh, so it's hard. There's only, you could probably count on two hands at the most, the amount of people that you can have in there comfortably and not worry about, um, whether they're going to be safe. Right. Because the dogs right. love them. And, but the other volunteers we keep in the front of the building and we bring the dogs out to them. It works. Um, it works better. But he actually... Um, ended up going and working for a behavioralist. Look at that. He started with us, and now he's getting paid working with a behavioralist, um, Trey, with, um, who I love, mm-hmm. with um, Trey Clark's Doghouse, which okay. is right here over by the Academy on 59. Okay. And um, he works for him now full time. Look at and that. He loves it's it. in his blood. He, he does. Could, he, he loves it. He wants it. to become a behavioralist. So, Well, tell him to call me because that's what I am. That's but my amazing. other son was looking at veterinary medicine oh, and then um, decided to go in, into re- regular medical. So Human I don't medicine. think, yeah. But he's now, we're now starting to train him at our facility. To okay. work with the dogs so that we have him as a volunteer. He needs it for high school anyway. Yeah, true. I mean, I love you that. You got to have it. You got it. And I love that it's a, a family thing. And I it, I want to go back to what you mentioned there about about how it's, you know, people just say find a volunteer. Because it 
you have to kind of step back, especially in Houston, and look at the landscape of animal welfare. How many organizations, you know, Houston Pets that we fund organizations last year, we granted to 68. This year, I think we're aiming for 75. And that's just a tiny portion of the groups out there doing the work. And it sort of feels like now now I saw you do pull animals from euthanasia lists Mm -hmm. at the the local shelters and everywhere, everywhere, any shelter, anywhere. Corpus Christi. Oh, wow. We get a if we get a foster and I, I talk with them and I feel like they're rock solid enough that I don't have to worry they're going to call me a week later to come pick up the dog. Right. <laughs> we get those. Yeah. Um, then <clears throat> then I'll pull it anywhere. I don't care what state you're in. Wow. So let me ask you this thing, because this is something at Houston Pet Set that we've been faced with a lot and that we've had conversations actually here on this podcast about. You are doing the work that we are paying our taxes to the city and the county mm, to do. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> and, <laughs> don't get me started. And, and it's not, you know, <clears throat> we we work with the city and the county because they are underwater too. And I actually, on my way here, listening to NPR, there was an animal welfare group, a, a local shelter actually, that said we're now waiving adoption fees because Ugh. we can't get animals out the door fast enough. And, and I know you probably feel the same way. It just Terrible. feels like there are Band-Aids, right? Band-Aids being put on all of these different, right. All these dogs are going to come back. So if they can't pay a $75 adoption fee and they're going because it's $4, they're either going to end up in someone's backyard, tied to a tree, tied to a pole or returned. Mm -hmm. They get returned all the time. And they, most of the time come from those free adoption days or low cost adoption days, or they get them and Hey, perfect for dog fighting, right? Dog bait, you know, stuff like that. If they don't, Get them off um, Craigslist for free, right. which should be illegal to even post them for free. Well, that's that's a <clears> that's conversation for a different day, right? So, <clears throat> so in your views, from what you have seen at the shelters in the the foster world, everything that you're working with, where is the fix? I know there's not a silver bullet. There's not one thing that we can do to solve this problem. But where do you find your success? Um. There's got to be, I mean, we've got to have spay and neuter laws. That's not going to fix it all, but it's, right. it's a start. Right. And it, I mean, there's just, there's too many. There's too many dogs. We can't keep up. I mean, it's like, we'll see a list posted at Bark. And mm-hmm. I mean, if they would just slow down on the killing, especially when they have room, that's mm-hmm. the most frustrating part. Sure. Um, puppies, mamas, I mean, they're just killing them all everywhere. You know, all the shelters. But um, I mean, if. Spay and neuter would make a huge difference, a huge difference. It definitely wouldn't fix it all because you got backyard breeders. Sure. But um, there should be fines. And there, I mean. And the enforcement of the laws, right? Like they're 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 not enforced. Right. If there's a law on the books, that's fantastic. But if nobody's doing anything about it, then, you know, you and I are going to still end up on the street picking up these animals who have oh, yeah. nowhere else to go. Well, just like everybody got excited. Oh, right. there's now a chain law, you know, no mm-hmm. more tethering and chaining the dogs. I mean, I can drive anywhere and take and a picture happening. of a dog trained and send it to you. Right. And we report them, but right. nothing's done or they'll take them off. Mm-hmm. And then, and you know, they wait again. a while and then they just put them back on. Yeah. And, and it also feels like there's an education element that's missing and, and simply finding somebody or coming in and taking their dog doesn't stop the problem from happening again unless you understand why you shouldn't chain or tether a dog or leave them outside 24-7, especially. In the sun with no shade, no food, no water. Or in a crate in the sun where the black of the crate at the bottom is just 
soiling. Yeah. Do you have the opportunity to talk to people and in, in the field and educate and work with them? Is that something you wish you had more time to do? Because I do. Yeah. Yeah, I actually do. Um, when I'm out there, mm-hmm. um, Tammy and I will go driving through some of the lower income areas because then that is where you see it more, mm-hmm. you know. Um, actually, Sunnyside is an area we've started kind of targeting and her and I will go out there and drive. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember there was this one. And see, that's another problem, though. I'm Hispanic and yet I don't remember how to speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> public school public school does that to you. Right. So um, but there was a man out there with his dog and it was tied to a pole in his driveway. And yes, he had a dog house it could go into. But mm-hmm. if it's 100 degrees outside. The dog doesn't want to go in there. So the other option is sitting in the sun. Right. So then, you know, and I tried talking to him and um, explaining there was a law, but there's that language barrier. Sure. So you get a lot of that in the lower income areas is um, a language barrier. Yeah. So. Well, I know that's one thing. There are, there are groups out there like Corridor, the Rescue, like Barrio Dogs who are trying to fill that gap. And then when there are organizations like yours who will take those animals in and care for them and find an outcome for them, we're all working together to do the job that maybe we shouldn't have to do, but but we're doing it anyway. And it takes teamwork to get it all done. Yeah. And another real frustrating thing, it's funny because uh, Tammy had just texted me and she goes, hey, are they going to spay that dog before we pull it? We've gotten three dogs from shelters, and they're not spaying and neutering. This mm-hmm. is Houston. I mean, there is no reason those dogs should be leaving right. the shelters without being fixed first. And I could have sworn they had passed a law <clears throat> that even before they released the dogs, I need to look up on that. But I yeah, thought I they, remember. I thought they recently said that they the shelters were going to have to even before releasing them to a rescue, right? I that f- they have to be fixed. I feel like there's something there. There's I don't something I need that. to go back and read on that. But regardless, we shouldn't be having to fix our dogs. I yeah. mean, they're getting paid. Our tax money's going there, right? <clears throat> and you then we're donors. raising money, yep. and now we're fixing the dog, right? Right. Well, I, I think <clears throat> the more people, hopefully, if someone has listened to this and has been on the fence about maybe taking that next step to get more involved or to start their own rescue or at the very least to get involved with an, a rescue that's already on the ground doing it. Maybe this is the shove they needed. But in the meantime, it's comforting to know that Waiting Under the Willow Foundation is there serving these animals, working with these these people, these shelters and rescues. And and thank you for that. And thank you for upending your life, essentially, <laughs> <laughs> to start this endeavor. It was obviously a labor of love. And yeah, yeah, it is. And it's it's hard. It's hard to turn away all the ones that we have to turn away because there's just not enough fosters. Yeah. And there's not enough funding. So foster and donate. Yes. If you're listening and watching. Yes. Foster, actually, do me a favor. Give us your website so, or your Facebook or whatever so people can find you. Yeah. So it's Waiting Under the Willow Foundation or Wolf Rescue, W-U-W-F Rescue dot org. Okay. Um, my phone number's on there. Tammy's phone number's on there. So there's no way you can't reach us. <laughs> if we don't answer the cell phone, text us. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. I try to get back to everybody in the evening. Okay. Um, every now and then it'll be the next day. But we're awesome. usually pretty good about reaching back out. Awesome. Angelique, thank you so much. This has been fabulous. Um, I, I'm glad to know more about your rescue. And I hope that our our listeners and our friends will will check you guys out and maybe foster for you. I know, I know there are fosters who listen and watch this. So. Yeah, and we need volunteers. And We're volunteer, right here, yeah. Southwest Houston by Meyerland. You know, anybody that can come up and spend 30 minutes walking a dog or playing in the yard. They love to play fetch, some of them. That you sounds know? delightful. There's Doesn't just not enough people to do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, hopefully this will change that. That would be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been Conversations for the Animals. I am Lisa Tynan. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks. Thanks.